Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. everyone, I'm Laura Coates here with Abby Phillip, and this is a special edition of CNN Tonight. Kevin McCarthy ousted as House Speaker, and he says he's not going to even run again. Now the House will be in recess for a week. They're not even planning to return until next Tuesday night for a conference meeting, before then a potential vote later that week on electing a new Speaker. So that means the House will be closed for business, and they don't even have a Speaker. Meanwhile, McCarthy, who lost that Speakership gavel today, Well, he said this tonight. These are the same people that never voted for me. They thought it was big. They went to present after we went through 15 rounds. I'm not quite sure those individuals are looking to be productive. Well, this is certainly a moment in American history and a string of a number of moments. Like, we've never seen anything like this before. Never before has a speaker lost the job in a vote on the House floor, and it happened with the pounding of a gavel. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant. But it started pretty much from the moment Kevin McCarthy was elected speaker in the early morning hours of January 7th, after 15 rounds of voting. I know I was up for it all. Hardliners in his own party have been threatening to dump him ever since. And the GOP civil war, well, it all came to quite the head today. We need a speaker who will fight for something, anything, besides just staying or becoming speaker. They're willing to to plunge this body into chaos and this country into uncertainty for reasons that only they really understand. I certainly don't. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody who we cannot trust with their word. Now it's time for us to stand together stronger than ever so we can get back to the work our majority was elected to do. I'm proud to support the speaker. Kevin McCarthy has been rock solid. We have passed the bills we told the American people we would pass. Well, now the House will be paralyzed so they can actually elect a new speaker. And you remember how long that took the last time. Now, there are a lot of words to describe what we've been watching, frankly, all day. Chaos is one. Disruption. Insanity. But I think dysfunction may actually describe it best. The House of Representatives, the People's House, is not functioning the way it was designed to. Can we all agree on that? And there's so much at stake when it does not. So many huge challenges our country is facing. So many things the House is actually not doing right now. I mean, there's aid for Ukraine, fighting to keep its own democracy alive. There's funding the United States government. Let's remember the last-minute deal that was hammered out just Saturday night only funds the government through, what, November 17th? You got the immigration crisis at our borders, the epidemic of gun violence is killing 
thousands and thousands of us every single year. The climate crisis that's fueling wildfires and floods and monster storms, none of that is being addressed right now. That's just a sliver of the things. But do the hardliners have a point of some kind? I mean, they are talking about the debt, which is reaching unimaginable levels. But the question is, how much of all of what we're seeing is politics and how much of it is principle? Is it all really about the attention economy and the spotlight or are they standing up for what they truly believe? Well, maybe the answer might lie somewhere in the middle. Well, joining me now, Republican Congressman Dan Muser. He voted against removing Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. Thank you for joining us tonight. I spoke to you this morning as well on radio. So here we are, the bookends of a long conversation, Congressman. I have to ask you, um, who do you, who should take the mantle of leadership next? Hey, great to be with you, Laura. I appreciate it. Um, To answer to your question, I want to support as our next speaker, and yes, very unfortunately, today was a very historic day, uh, and not for the right reasons. Uh, It was historic in that we created a situation where we we really have a setback for our party uh, and for this body and for our nation. We, we, we We weren't constructive today. In many ways, we were destructive. So to answer to your question, we need a new speaker that first of all can can do the job, that's got the capability and the experience to do the job. Secondly, that has the the character, moral fortitude that we can trust in, because we saw today that there were a lot of activities and antics taking place that I, I think were a little bit questionable, that maybe were a little bit selfish and were based upon a vendetta. And, and thirdly, we need a uh, individual that can win that can win over all the portions of our Republican uh, party, which is, is, is pretty diverse as we're seeing, and, um, and, and can in the end lead. So I know we've, uh, we've got that individual. We'll, uh, we'll see who it turns out. You know, you mentioned chaos. We, we had chaos today, I'll grant that. But you know what, within a couple of days, we'll, we'll, we'll be back working on truly the priorities that the American people sent us here for. I'm well, confident hopefully- of that. Hopefully that is, in fact, the case. I do wonder, and, yeah. you know, many people are watching this and wondering how deep that bench really is, because when it came to Kevin McCarthy being sworn in the first time again that gavel, I remember there were a lot of different rounds, as you well know, and there were names being thrown around. They did not have the 218 votes. It didn't seem like everyone was raising their hand immediately to say, pick me, put me in, coach, I'm ready to play. And play they must, Congressman, because in 40-some days, the next potential government shutdown will be here again. Another potential crisis and moment for potential chaos. So, I mean, how long will this process of trying to find that person that you say is ready actually set back those discussions? Well, Patrick McHenry is, of course, the uh, speaker pro temp, and it's a great choice, extremely intelligent, capable uh, member. So he'll guide us through the the next several days. We will be voting uh, come Wednesday. We'll be reconvening uh, Tuesday. And part of that, by the way, the the recess is due to, uh, I understand, Senator Dianne Feinstein's funeral. So so we'll we'll be handling this come next week. there's a number of things that need to be done, organizational planning, as well as those members who are going to decide to enter this race and, and, and seek the votes. So I know there's at least two or three that are on my short list. Who? That, that, Who's on that, that list? 
Well, you know what? It's a little bit too early to say, but I'll, I'll go it's ahead. It's early in the night, Congressman. Who is it? <laughs> um, I do believe Majority Leader Steve Scalise is certainly highly capable, a great human being, and knows the operation of, of this and, and certainly meets, meets the criteria I mentioned. I also think Jim Jordan is a, a, a strong leader who I respect very much. So, and, and there are probably a couple of others. Uh, but I offered a couple of names there, and um, uh, I'm, my guess is they, they very well may run. But I can't speak for them. I haven't heard that for certain as of yet. Well, we heard our own Manu Raju in the hallway asking Congressman Jim Jordan. He said about whether he, in fact, would run. It was up to the caucus, so perhaps his name is floating for a number of reasons. I didn't hear you mention Matt Gates, although his name is coming up for other reasons, Congressman, because a number of your colleagues are trying to expel him, nothing can be done, of course, until a speaker is in place. But what's your opinion of Matt Gates tonight? You mentioned antics and things that you yeah. thought were disingenuous. Right. Would you vote for him to get out of Congress? No, that would be up to his constituents. And look, we had a long day. It has been some, some frustration, certainly. And I really believe that this wasn't done for the right reasons. I think there was, it was very much, you mentioned whether it was politics or policy or principle. Uh, I think a lot of it was politics. I think mm -hmm. some of it was personal. And the, the idea that they really couldn't articulate, I mean, they, they talk a lot. Let's face it, Matt Gates can talk a lot yeah. and in an articulate manner. However, there's very little detail to it as to what the reasons were for uh, uh, this, this initiative and in fact on the others. But what's done is done. Um, so they, they, Jay joined, the eight joined with all the Democrats to overthrow our elected speaker. That was, took 15 rounds, but we elected him. So far more, over 200 Republicans in our caucus were favorable to Kevin McCarthy, myself included. And today what we did is we focused on something that the American people had no interest in, in us focusing on because Kevin was capable and we were working on border security. We were working on, frankly, all the crises created by this White House, as well as far too many in the Democrat uh, conference. So we, we have inflation that's rampant. We, we, have, we, we have border security issues. We have gasoline prices at the highest levels. There are solutions to these problems. That's what we should be focusing on. This, again, as I started saying, is, it was a setback of a day. Well, certainly one administration can't take the blame for all that you've mentioned, but I wonder whether it will be assigned to this party right now, given what took place this week and this day. Congressman Dan Muser, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Abby? Thanks, Laura. And let's just pick up where you just left, left off there. Joining us at the table is John Avalon, CNN senior political analyst, still with us, Jamal Simmons, Andrew Yang, and Coleman Young. John, what happens for Republicans uh, what happens to Republicans next? <laughs> not, not a return to highly productive governing, uh, as the previous guest said. There's going to be a, a week of, of jockeying and trying to figure out who can carry the mantle, and Trump will pick his candidates, and uh, it, it'll be a big week of, of finger-pointing and, and horse racing. I think Steve Scalise, is probably, Steve Scalise is probably in pole position because he's widely respected. He's got a degree of moral authority. Um, and uh, and, and is, is the most qualified of all the potential folks and probably the least divisive. But at the end of the day, the problem here is structural, right? We saw history today, first speaker taken out of office because of the scandal that he kept government opened and had the temerity to do it with Democratic votes. 
That's a firing offense in Washington today. And you add this to the legacy of John Boehner, basically leaving the, the, the speakership because he couldn't corral the far right. Paul Ryan doing effectively the same thing. Eric Cantor being forced out. Now, all the young guns are gone, all because of a structural problem within the Republican Party. They cannot corral their far right. And so it's not going to get better. So I want to read just what um, Asa Hutchinson, uh, a Republican, longtime Republican, and running for president as well, he, he said, what happened today on the House floor uh, is a gift to Democrats. It sets off alarm bells as 2024 approaches. You agree? Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Democrats must be feeling this. They, they must be feeling that, you know, the Republican Party looks like it cannot keep its own house clean right now. And, and so on the one hand, this is a huge uh, victory for Democrats. On the other hand, I'm not sure this should be seen as a victory from anyone's perspective, mm -hmm. because ultimately, as uh, the American citizens, you know, the, the house governs all of us. Right. And, and you want to be willing to see people put governing the country over partisan politics. whether And sometimes that means crossing party lines and joining a vote on the other side, whether that be to fund the government or to keep a speaker in power. And we're just seeing far too little of that on both sides, frankly. This is a loss for the country. Uh, and Laura's list had Ukraine aid number one. Imagine if you were one of the U.S.'s partners uh, around the world or Ukraine itself saying, hey, guys, uh, we're, we're fighting Russia here. And then you see that aid to your military falls into this abyss of American dysfunction. I mean, our debt got downgraded just the other day. And you think if your uh, ratings agency right now, you have confidence in uh, America's credit moving forward. So this is just a huge L for the country. I dearly wish that our parties actually had those interests first and foremost, mm -hmm. instead of, hey, we're going to look good relative to the other guys. It's a disease that's destroying the country. Here's the problem, that the Democrats, it's so hard for them to do a credible deal with the other side because these, these guys really don't want to govern. They don't want to do anything that's going to be beneficial. They, they're, it's like they're trying to be Fox famous. They're on television. <laughs> you know, in order, remember Trey Gowdy? He was a leader in the House. He chose to leave the Congress to go be a talk show host. He thought it was more important to be a talk show host than to be a leader in the United States Congress. I just think this is not, they're not a credible group. So if you're a Democratic leader and you want to do a deal with a partner, yep. you need somebody on the other side yes. that you can trust to actually fulfill their end of the Yes, agreement. but, right? I mean, look, I think this is actually a lost opportunity for Democrats ultimately as well. I understand why they didn't throw Kevin McCarthy a lifeline out of the gate. They probably thought that he would have been renominated and then they could have maybe gotten better terms, something resembling, mm -hmm. you know, more bipartisan structural issues. Um, but... They, they chose not to do that. And now Dem Republicans are going to try to blame for what happened to Kevin McCarthy. No one should be fooled by that. This is about the far right. But we need a party that's consistently adult in this country. It's not the Republican Party right now, structurally. Um, and, and I think that you know, whatever the long game was for Democrats, they could have risen above the partisan noise yes. a little bit more and maybe gotten some favorable terms to have more genuine bipartisan governing going forward. So Jamal and, and John, you know who made your the point that you're making here. Here is Re uh, Republican Congressman Austin Scott. If he's not a household name, that's okay. Take a listen to what he's saying. Those eight people are anarchists and they're Chaos Caucus members. And the fact of the matter is they get their power from the 212 Democrats voting with them all of the time. And the conference is going to have to figure out how we, how we deal with um, you know, eight people that are here that candidly aren't interested in governing. They're more interested in, you know, grifting. The story has been, up until today, 
always about these eight or 10 or however mm -hmm. many there are. The story tomorrow and toward the end of this week is going to be about what folks like that congressman do. He is angry. His face was red mm -hmm. with fury because he is sick of this. And they're going to have some concessions that they want too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, they must be sick of this because they're, I mean, this is, don't, don't make too much of this analogy, but the whole logic of like not negotiating with terrorists, for example, is that the crazy people can determine policy mm -hmm. if they're stubborn enough. And I'm not comparing any U.S. congressman to, to, to actual terrorists. That's okay. Other but people the, have done The <laughs> logic the logic is the same. And as the more sane people in the party, you have to get sick of this. Yeah. But remember, elections are choices between the, the people you have and the other people, right? So the idea that there's going to be kind of a magical unicorn that shows up that makes everybody feel better is, doesn't really no, no, show no, no, up. No, 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 no. Doesn't really show up. But so, so if you're, on one hand, you've got, you've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the president and vice president, mm -hmm. who today were dealing with uh, uh, lowering prescription drug prices for seniors, swearing in oh, oh, Lafonza oh, Butler in the Senate in the United yeah. States. Okay, okay, and and but, so you had but, a very credible governing party happening in the executive branch of the Senate. And then in the Congress, you had ridiculousness. Everybody gets the contrast, and Biden could point to 300 bipartisan bills when Democrats had unified control of the, of the House, Senate, and, and Washington in the first two years of his term. But... This is this is a point that Andrew makes all the time. We actually need to see the center hold for our politics to work. Those 18 Republicans who are in districts that Biden won, they should be exerting at least as much influence, if not more, than the Matt Gaetzes and the extremists on the far right who don't represent the, the party, let alone the country. We need the center of both parties to hold and work together. And structurally, right. that's not getting done. Jamal, right. uh, we all know the nature of today's Re Republican Party. The Democrats in Congress know the nature of today's Republican Party. So if you say, look, let's let them... Uh, bring the, the country down and ha-ha, we're going to look good again relative to them. I mean, that's bad for the country. If you'd had 20 Democrats just vote present and then go to, to Kevin McCarthy and say, we saved your bacon, here's what, you, what we want, we're having a very different conversation now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say it's much better the for reason, the country. Here's the, the reason yeah. that didn't happen. Just, just as a reminder, because we just talked to, to Ilhan Omar about this in the last hour. Kevin McCarthy use Democrat, Democratic votes on Saturday. Then on Sunday, he turns around and says, they are the bad guys. It's, and it's, it's not political just, theater. It's, it's not just Everyone bad, knows it. It's not just bad it. faith. But if you're a Democrat, how do you go forward and say, well, I can work with this guy? Yeah. You can't. And, and let's keep in mind, again, this is what the, 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 the this person or that person nature. So these Democrats are going to go out and run campaigns next year, and they're going to be able to run campaigns against this chaos MAGA wing, and you might get a Democratic House back. What happened the last time we had a Democratic House? You got infrastructure legislation. You got environmental legislation. You, like, dealt with child techs for, for uh, child care for, uh, for, people, for working people. You had all sorts of things that happened. You got people nominated. But, but even what you you're a, saying, you Jamal, what you're saying is, look, you can take a short-term hit to the country because it will be good for your party in the next cycle. That's and, good for and, your and party. That, and that's what it's we, good for we the live country. over The country actually again. will have but, but a governing... I, I, Coalition. But, 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 but actually, I, actually I, I think, you know, the, the larger point here that I think was trying to be made is that Kevin McCarthy, right? I mean, there was the debt ceiling deal. Again, Democrats and Republicans got us off that cliff. And then he reversed himself. This is what kissing the ring at Mar-a-Lago a couple of weeks after January 6th gets you. Nothing. Right. Kevin McCarthy went down and helped re-legitimize Donald Trump. The idea that this would help him corral power and, and gain the speakership. He gained it on, by a read for a couple of months. And look, it's not worth it's it, a question folks. of whether Kevin McCarthy could even have led in a bipartisan fashion. 
I think Democrats cast their votes because they didn't think he could. Well, yeah. Democrats cast their votes because they were told to cast their vote in a particular way. I mean, we, we all know that there was probably a diversity of opinion within the Democratic Party, but then the <laughs> word came out saying, guys, we are not going to bail out Kevin McCarthy. We're going to vote with Matt Gates and the hardliners for partisan reasons. Now, what happens next? It's a dice roll. I, as an American citizen, would prefer not to have that kind of dice roll because anyone who says again that they know what's coming next this is unprecedented. Right. We don't know. We do know that the government runs out of money in 45 days. We do know that there are vital priorities like Ukraine aid that are now uh, uh, subject to us having a speaker. We don't I've know. Support, I've supported it, Democrats my entire adult life. Yeah. I would love to have a Republican Party that was a responsible negotiating partner, but we don't have one. Well, that's fair. We'll see where this all goes, everyone. Don't go anywhere just yet. Coming up next, how frustrated are voters by all of this chaos, as we've just been discussing? I'll ask a pollster next. You can't do the job if eight people, you have 94% of, or 96% of your entire conference, but eight people can partner with the whole other side. How do you govern? This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life, wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news tonight, there is what's being called a preliminary report of four individuals shot on the campus of Morgan State University in Baltimore. That's according to the Baltimore City Fire Department. Now, our affiliate got this shot of a window showing the glass broken. Students are being asked to shelter in place. ATF special agents are assisting the Baltimore Police Department. Now, police and school officials are asking concerned family members of students at Morgan State University to avoid the campus area. We'll bring you more details as they come in. Abby? We will be keeping our eye on that story. Thank you, Laura. And back to Washington now. And Kevin McCarthy is, as you know, out as Speaker of the House. Business in the House is now effectively paralyzed until a new Speaker is elected which won't be until maybe another week from now. With me now is Republican pollster Frank Luntz. Frank, I know that you are a longtime friend of Kevin McCarthy's. Have you spoken with him tonight? What do you make of what unfolded today in the House? 
I spoke to him just before the vote, and he was pretty seriously concerned about the outcome. I think that this reminds me of George Orwell in 1984. The people who tell the truth are accused of being liars, and the liars are thought to be telling the truth. And it's a sad day for my friend, but I look at the country, and I look at, and I'm here right now in London, and the challenges that are happening with their government and the challenges to other democracies, it seems like we are becoming more and more extreme. We are ignoring the wishes of the American people. And I want to emphasize this to everyone who's watching right now. The American people wanted the government open. They want to end wasteful Washington spending. They want a more efficient, more effective government. But they wanted it open. They wanted it to work. The Speaker of the House did exactly to the letter, what the public wished of him, and yet he lost his vote, uh, you, he lost his job. Do you think that McCarthy should have cut a deal with the other side, created a bipartisan path forward? Is that what the American people would have wanted to see? The public wants the job to be done, and they wanted the government open, and it's not an issue cutting, a, I keep hearing this phrase, cutting a job with the other side. We're on the same side. Those are members of Congress, whether you agree or disagree with them on a majority of issues, we have become so divided that we see it as us versus them. And I think that that's the greatest tragedy of all. And I wonder just how chaotic, how chaotic things have to get before they stop playing this way. Yeah, These I mean are political games. And I remind you, the person who brought this up, is under, and we can't talk about it. We don't, I don't even know what the exact charges are, but Matt Gates is under, he's been charged by the Ethics Committee for improper, and from what I hear, awful behavior. And now he gets rewarded. These eight members who are following someone who's, who may, from what I hear, could be removed by the House for just ridiculously awful behavior and he has dethroned the Speaker of the House. So congratulations, and Mr. Gates, on your success. I know he's been celebrating tonight. But I'll say to the American people, from what I hear, those charges, you have now followed someone, those eight members of Congress, who has done awful things in private, and that's I, why the Ethics Committee should, is looking into him. I should note that Matt Gates has denied that this has anything to do with the ethics investigation against him. But I, I will say, Frank, you've spoken to a panel of voters about how they view Congress right now. You are also someone who's worked in conservative politics for a long, long time. This is a fundamental structural problem with the Republican Party. What message do, you, do those voters have, do you have, for Republicans as they figure out a path forward here? Because the Matt Gateses of the world, maybe it's not Matt Gates, but the Matt Gateses of the world are not going away. No, and, the, and it, becomes, it becomes impossible to govern, which is what the vast majority of the American people are asking for. It's 90%, and they may disagree on the details. They may, may disagree on the solutions, but they agree on the problem. And then you've got this 10% that just wants to burn it down and blow it up. And the, the, to me, the goal should be to get the partisanship out of the system and have people trying to get the job done. And frankly, the thing I'm also disappointed with is all these Democratic members 
of the Problem Solvers Caucus, not one of them voted with Kevin McCarthy. And I thought that there was a sincerity in the effort to work together, side by side, Problem Solvers Caucus, to get the job done. And the fact that they followed, that they did exactly 100% of the Democrats, tells me that we have a system in Washington that's completely broken and that the people, they have every right to be mad at the politicians well, who represent them maybe because they, didn't, they choose maybe, politics over people. Maybe they didn't see Kevin McCarthy as part of the solution to the problem. Isn't that a possibility? Well, I know what's coming next. As someone who knows on the inside, I know what's coming next. And if they didn't like Kevin McCarthy, they're not going to like the next step. And by the way, for those Republicans watching tonight, who's going to donate to your campaigns based on how you treat the will of the American people? Who's going to write a check going forward? And maybe that's a good thing. Get the money out of politics. But I'll tell you that tonight... The future of Congress has been sealed, and it is going to be a Democratic future that Matt Gates and those eight members will be, be responsible and will be held accountable for turning the House over to the Democrats. And, you know, well, let what happens, happens. But Frank, I do think that this is a, a tragedy. Frank, I, I, hear, I hear the emotion in your voice. You've been friends with Kevin McCarthy for quite some time, very close for all these years. We appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Thank you. Laura? Back to my table here. We were reacting and listening to what was happening. I mean, that last point that he just raised about who was going to write a check and the donations. I mean, McCarthy was a very big, very big, prolific, prolific, um, prolific donation fundraiser. So who's going to donate now? I don't know. I can tell you this. Two months ago, I hosted an event, co-hosted an event for the Speaker to protect the House for Republicans and Republican challenger candidates across the country, we raised a significant amount of money. It was actually the most money raised in the DMV for Republicans. Uh, McCarthy raises money well. Mega donors, one in particular, I won't name the person's name, wrote a million-dollar check top of this year for Republicans. They like McCarthy. And all of these folks are talking about these agendas and they want to have this Republican majority. You have to win elections to have a majority. So I don't buy this argument from Gates and and the others that they're doing this for the furtherance of conservative ideas. I don't see that. But I think I can give. Go ahead, Karen. I was just going to say, I think, though, this is what we've been seeing playing out within the Republican Party for some time now. Right. You've got the MAGA wing and then you've got the people who consider themselves Republicans, but not MAGA. And then you've got sort of the folks who are never Trumpers who say, I don't, I don't have a party anymore. Mm-hmm. And you could hear it in Frank's voice, and it is boiling over. And, we, and as Democrats, we have been trying to say for some time, you guys have to work this out because it's ungovernable. And we cannot let the MAGA right wing lead everybody around and try to just enforce their will uh, on the country. And that's what happened. And I mean, they won, frankly, in January, when it took 15 rounds for Kevin McCarthy to become speaker, they won and they knew it and they used their power tonight. Well, you react to this, Sophia, but also former President Trump did react to the news of tonight. And here is what he said. Um, why is it that Republicans are always fighting amongst themselves? Why the aren't they fighting? Every Republican every day. He's out there trashing everybody. It comes from Trumpism. This is MAGA. That's all he does every day. He's much more likely to trash Republicans than he ever is to trash Putin or, you know, attack people. He attacks General Milley. 
what Republicans have been saying anything about how he attacked General Milley. I want to bring us back to what matters, governing. I want the American people to hear me. Do you remember your civics? The Speaker of the House is second in line to the presidency. Right now, we have a vacancy in that spot. Yeah, we have the pro temp dude that Mm -hmm. beats the hammer and did some petty stuff tonight. But the reality is, is that right now, we don't have a governing party that's functioning in its role in the majority. And I think that what is problematic here, Laura, as we go forward is what happens with Ukraine? That's a big issue. Are we going to leave Ukraine hanging? Because if Jim Jordan's speaker, we ain't getting no Ukraine money. If Steve Scalise has to cut a deal that he will not allow money to be put into a bill for Ukraine, what happens? You're talking about the NATO alliance. You're talking about pre-World War II footing and what happens if Putin realizes there's a weakness and then goes to Poland and then to Czechoslovakia and other places. Then what are we doing? So this has really serious consequences. I don't give a rat's ass about who's raising money. I care about who's governing. Well, unfortunately, though, I I do want to play for a second. I want you to respond. I want to get in what a congresswoman had to say about this Kelly Armstrong and and the very points you're raising right now. Listen to this. The incentive structure in this town is completely broken. We have descended to a place where clicks, TV hits, and the never-ending quest for the most mediocre taste of celebrity drives decisions and encourages juvenile behavior that is so far beneath this esteemed body. What's your take? Well, these are the people who are picking a celebrity apprentice guy as their nominee. That's right. So yes, that's a problem, and we need to get back to things like if we want to have a deal, we need to be having things. They want border security. The deal that's there for the taking that Senate Republicans have laid out and worked with Democrats is to have border security money, to have disaster relief, and then have Ukraine money. That is a solid conservative deal, bipartisan deal that's there for the making. And if you're concerned about crime, things you know that are happening every day here, Republicans should be talking about those issues, not not. Matt Gates's latest problems or whatever's going on. That's the problem. Let's reconnect the dots back to why, for example, Ukraine money is a problem. And the people who are opposing the Ukraine money also happen to be Trump people, Trumpers. And, Pro-Putin and, and, Trumpers, yeah. Well, and for, to Donald Trump, Zelensky is an enemy. This is a way for him to exact revenge. That impeached the first time over it. Republican House yeah. members to do it. An so, enemy because he was the basis be, of, the, be, of the first impeachment hearing, you believe? Yes, yes because, he, because he would not go along with the scheme to yeah. dig up and create some dirt on his soon-to-be, at that time, uh, Joe Biden, who he was going to go up against in 2020. And so to him, he's an enemy, right? I mean, that's how Donald Trump is very, it's very black and white for him. Very you're an enemy or you're not. And, and he is an enemy. Putin is somebody who we know he cares about very deeply. He talks very favorably about him. So I agree with you, Sophia, but I would just say, look, I, as a Democrat, I think this is bad for the country that the Republican Party is so broken. I think I our country is stronger when we have two strong parties and we're actually arguing about ideas not you know, all this petty, you get out of your office and you lied to me and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, they, some folks want to blame it on Democrats. We can't save you. You guys have, your party has to get together and figure out what are you going to do about Donald Trump and the MAGA wing in your party. Otherwise, we're going to keep coming back to this. You know, voters are very sophisticated, I believe, and they are an educated body. 
and they know what matters to them. There's no one more well-versed in what they want than themselves. However, I do wonder about the stank and the stench of one party bleeding onto the other. I mean, at some point, even though we're talking about Republicans, and we'll be talking about Republicans next week as well when this vote happens, and there'll be cameras on the floor as we saw for those 15 rounds before, at some point the American people go, Congress... Get it together. Mm-hmm. Congress in general. I mean, I was going to say on, on the, the, the Ukraine funding issue, there was a poll conducted by SSRS for CNN August 4th. 54% of the American population are saying we don't want additional funding for Ukraine. So this idea that Republicans are somehow on an island on this issue isn't backed by actual data. And that data isn't limited to no, just there's, there's Republican-leaning plen- individuals. Well, no, that's but, but that's not no, true, there, though. There's... It's not true. What, who I, I ran the but, poll? But it was a Fox CNN News? poll. No, it's I mean, a CNN no. poll. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, I don't think Democrats have done a good enough job articulating to the American people, why are we supporting Ukraine? How long is this going I to last? I explained it earlier. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that I disagree. I'm not saying that I disagree. Hold on. It's horrible. I mean, I don't know what's happening right now. Like, we're all adults at this table. Hold on. One after another, one at a time. Everyone wants to hear your very valuable insight. But let me redirect you for a second, because Frank Lutz's point was talking about not just Ukraine, which Mm -hmm. I know is the meat of the issue you're talking about, but his point was about donations because he believed that they were being punished for having given the American people what they wanted on Saturday, which was to keep the government open. And thinking about that, what do you think the voters feel now? Well, I think voters... Do, do want peop, us to work together. Mm-hmm. They want us to support our and allies. They want the government open. They are supporting. They want the oh. government open. And I think they do support us, supporting our allies. Absolutely. And regardless, think, these are issues well, of principle. On, on. And when people are out there supporting. Not all of the voters. Because remember, there is a third of the Republican Party, half of the Republican Party. They will vote for Donald Trump no matter what. You're right. They believe that what he says is the gospel. It is the truth. It's a cult. And that the rest of whatever and they are. if he switched his position, so they I'm would agree is, with him, too. So to, to <laughs> Laura's question, though, I think what that brings us back to is, you know, Frank, unfortunately, I mean, he's partially wrong. And broadly, the majority of the American people, absolutely, that's what they want. The problem continues to be that one-third, that 33%, who they don't care. They're with Matt Gates, right? They don't care if it blows everything up. They think that's a good thing. But wait, wait, hold on, I'm hearing something. Hold on, I'm hearing something. The New York panel is screaming they want to get in, too. Okay, I'm going right now. Thank you, everybody. They apparently want to be heard today, too, with Republicans and chaos and the House basically paralyzed. They want to weigh in. What are the next steps? Well, a congressman who calls the motion to vacate rule insane is up next. Plus, why the judge in Donald Trump's fraud trial issued a limited gag order against the former president. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. A historic day in American politics with the House voting to oust Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his post. Tonight, McCarthy announcing that he will not run for Speaker again, but he's not counting himself completely out, at least not yet. Here's what he had to say when asked if he's considering resigning from Congress. I haven't thought about that. Give it as good as I get it, right? So it's 
you, you know the challenge. I knew going in. You would take a poll all the time. Is he going to get thrown out this week? But you know what? If I lose my job over doing what I truly believe what's right, I'm very at peace with it. And joining me now is Republican Congressman Carlos Jimenez of Florida. Congressman, thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Your party now has to elect a speaker as soon as possible, really. Are you comfortable with everyone leaving and everything in the House being on hold for a week while you all sort this out? I think we have to sort it out. Unfortunately, you know, 3 percent of our caucus and 100 percent of the Democrats in Congress uh, decided to, uh, to have chaos over, uh, over an orderly uh, functioning of government, which uh, we, were, we had. We probably had the best functioning uh, House of Representatives that we've had in a long, long time. And, uh, and again, like I said, 3 percent of our caucus, along with 100 percent of the Democrats, decided to throw that into, into chaos. But why take so much time? Well, because, look, uh, people uh, have to uh, get prepared, announce uh, that they're running. Uh, we have to vet, you know, uh, uh, vet all of these uh, folks that want to be uh, speaker. Maybe there's going to be some kind of a railroad effect where you uh, have somebody running for speaker. Maybe then we have to get somebody to be the leader and all that. So I think that uh, the best thing to do is uh, take our time. Uh, you know, emotions are a little raw right now, and so we need to cool down a little bit. And so, yeah, I think that it was probably a, a good thing to give us a little time, calm down, and then start looking at these candidates and see which way we're going to go. Right now, who do you think has the most support for the speakership? I have the faintest idea right now. I'll tell you right now, I know that I've heard some names. Uh, nobody has my vote. Uh, the person that wants my vote and maybe, you know, a number of us has to agree to put uh, on, the, on the floor uh, a change in the rule of how the... Uh, uh, the motion to vacate uh, happens. I think that the one-person motion to vacate, I actually frankly think it's a little bit insane. Uh, and we cannot, uh, we cannot continue to uh, be governed this way that, that, a, that a speaker can have at any time a motion, a motion to vacate, uh, especially a speaker in our case that had 96 percent uh, um, support in his own caucus, in his own conference and that he's been taken down this way, that's, that's actually, that's insanity, and that should have never happened. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, this is a central issue here. What do you think is a reasonable level uh, to prompt a motion to vacate at this point? I think it should be, uh, you know, 50% of, uh, of the majority conference. Do you think uh, that something like that, that could get support from uh, enough people to actually elect a speaker who supports that level? I don't know, but that's what it's going to take to, to get me, and I know it's going to, it's going to take to get a lot of, uh, of my colleagues, and so no, we're, we're not going to be giving up on this. And so, look, I think uh, the rule that the Democrats ruled under last uh, Congress, the Congress I was here, I'm fine with that rule. Uh, and so maybe uh, the Democrats, if it was good enough for them last Congress, maybe it's good enough for, for them this Congress, so maybe we need a bipartisan effort on that side. But if we can't get the Democrats uh, to help us, and look, I don't blame them for not helping us, it's really our problem, then uh, we're going to have to get commitment from the next speaker to be, if they want to be the next speaker, that they're going to put that on the floor so that at least that we can vote on. And other rule changes that will make, uh, make us run better, make this, uh, make this um, you know, conference run and this uh, Congress run better. Um, I'm not going to be, and I don't think a lot of us are going to be held hostage anymore. We're tired of it. So McCarthy said today that the Republicans who ousted him, eight of them, are not truly conservative. But are they now more empowered than ever? Nope. No, they're only as empowered as uh, if we let them to be empowered. And I certainly do not uh, want to be in the group that allows the eight to control 
the, the other 210, 212 of us. Uh, and so the 212 of us that were not party to this need to stand firm. And no, we're not going to be governed by eight, I'm sorry. The majority rules, that's what democracy is all about. Uh, and so we need a speaker that is actually going to stand up and speak for the entire uh, conference. And, uh, you know, we need to have regular order where amendments are debated and the democratic process, you know, grabs hold. All the rules have to be applied to every single, every single entity, no matter if you're in a Freedom Caucus or whatever caucus you are, that's the way it should be. And, uh, and that's what we're going to be demanding of the next, uh, next speaker. So I don't expect the next uh, race to be, uh, to be easy. We have divisions, not deep divisions. We only have divisions between 96% and 3% of our caucus. But because of our narrow margin, uh, you know, that, uh, that 3% carries a heck of a lot more weight than they probably should. A very loud 3%. Congressman, yeah. are you worried that all of this chaos will hurt Republicans in 2024? Yes, I am, and, and that's why I don't actually think that these eight are actually true Republicans. You know, one of, you know the greatest president of my lifetime and, and a true Republican was Ronald Reagan, who said that if he got 75, 80 percent of what they wanted, then that was good. These, uh, these eight, uh, this, this fringe group, they need to get 100 percent of what they want or else they get nothing, which is kind of really counterproductive. And so I don't think they're true Republicans, that they really you know, believe that Ronald Reagan was the greatest president of our lifetime, then maybe you should follow some of his principles and, and know that every once in a while you have to compromise, not only with the Democrats, but more importantly, you have to compromise inside the party itself because not all of us have the same point of view. And so yeah, we need to come to that realization and let the process work out and let the chips work, fall where they may. And when those votes come up, all right, we had our say, this is the way it came out. We're gonna to have to now vote in unison in order to make sure that we get those priorities that America needs, those bills, uh, and the change in America that we really need in order to make America's, American lives better, they pass and they get passed on to the Senate. All right, Con Congressman Carlos Jimenez, thank you for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure. And John Avalon is back with me. A lot of bomb throwing there from a moderate Republican. Yeah. It's, it, I really haven't seen this kind of animus play out so publicly. Uh, we haven't seen this very much in our politics. But he said, we're sick of being kind of led around by, you know, the terrorists among us. They want that motion to vacate level to be at half of the conference. That's a high bar considering that Bob Good told Laura Coates earlier he wants it to be one member, which is what it is right now. But that directly led to this chaos. And what, what he was saying is, look, it's time that the moderates in this caucus start strength, start actually making demands and insisting on, on showing the real strength of their numbers, as opposed to having the conference directed and led around by the nose by 3%. That frustration's real. It's understandable. Those folks have a disproportionate influence. And it's this insane, you know, 1% number, which by the one vote number, which by the way, used to be the standard as you and I were, were doing some we, history. We dug deep into the motion to vacate um, history but here. politics have changed. Yeah. So it should be a majority of the majority to let that go forward. And that's a reasonable demand on the part of people who want some degree of stability in, in governing going forward. It used to be one, mm -hmm. and it wasn't used really right. at all. Which is a sign of Not how much our politics have changed. So earlier we were talking to Frank Luntz, yeah. and he was obviously very fired up because he's very good friends with McCarthy, yes. but was making a lot of points about the Republican Party going forward from this point. And just what message this sends to the voters. What did you make of what he had to say? He, he was clearly um, 
angry, aggrieved, acting as an ally of McCarthy, saying McCarthy had done what the vast majority of the American people would have wanted, kept government open, kept military and folks And that might all paid. be true. Yeah, and, and it is all true, by the way. And that's what is so outrageous about this, with any sense of perspective. You know, politics is history in the present tense. We're seeing that right now. But the fact that the scandal that toppled the first U.S. speaker was keeping the government open with Democratic votes shows how crazy things are. The added irony, though, is, and I think Frank is entirely sincere about his desire to find a way to come together again as a country, and God knows I agree with it. But, you know, he was a big part of how we got here by writing the contract with America, with Newt Gingrich. You know, every government shutdown since Newt Gingrich, the last 30 years, has been when Republicans control the House. Um, and it's usually bipartisan votes that get us out of that mess. So we need the center to show more strength. And it's good to see Republicans in the center trying to say, you know, let's not allow 3% of the caucus drive the entire party. But it ends up driving the whole country into the ground. I will say this, too. Nancy Pelosi had a five-vote margin herself. Yeah. And, she, and it, it, the Democrats governed just fine, passing 300 bipartisan bills. And look, Republicans are pining for that kind. They t bring up Nancy Pelosi all the time in a favorable way. Which, which is bizarre world, that right? she was able to govern better than... Kevin McCarthy ultimately was. Signs point to yes. Crazier things have happened. John, thank you All for right. joining us tonight. Laura? Well, there are new developments tonight, Abby, in former President Trump's civil fraud trial. The judge overseeing the case rebuking Trump after he attacked a, so a court clerk on social media. The judge issuing a gag order and scolding the former president, saying, personal attacks of any member of my court staff are unacceptable inappropriate, and I will not tolerate them. Let's talk about now with CNN legal analyst Norm Eisen and Ankush Kardori, former federal prosecutor and contributing writer to Politico. So number one, surprise, surprise, Trump made this statement. There's a gag order in place. What will happen in this case or others if he does not follow it? Uh, he'll be sanctioned in the first instance, likely uh, financial sanctions, but there is a slippery slope. And if he keeps doing this, and in particular, hitting that nerve, the judge's staff, someone he works with every day, exposed to danger, uh, it, that could also include, in the extreme case, confinement under New York law. Jack Smith had raised it in his case in D.C., what he did in other cases as well. Is there some connective tissue that one judge in one case may say, you offended us all? Well, I think if not in that way, I think that there is some connected tissue insofar as like there's been this huge debate for weeks now about whether there should be a gagged order in D.C. This judge just did it, right? And just demonstrated that it doesn't have to be a big to-do. It's not that uncommon, particularly when you have someone behaving as outrageously, quite honestly, as Trump has been behaving in and outside of court in the last couple of days. And so it might kind of soften the ground a little bit for some of these other judges mm -hmm. to just kind of sort of hop on board and say, look, if, if he's doing it, not cause the world to implode. These are criminal cases. Like, it's equally important here. And it's more pointed. This attack was on someone that personally identifiable was the phrase was used by the judge as well. I do wonder, in the New York case, he didn't have to show up. He's there. Not required. Is he going to testify? Or should he? Well, I think his presence in court signals the seriousness of the threat. Criminal prosecutions are one thing. They're subject to appeal. The federal ones, if he or a Republican is re-elected or elected, there mm -hmm. could be pardons. This goes to his financial empire, his sense of self-worth, his name. The judge has said he's yanking his business licenses here. It's, and, and he's appointing receivers. Laura, it's as if I were arrested for drunk driving. We're taking away your driver's license and your car. 
I'm from L.A. My car is a very big part of my identity. (laughs) So this signals the seriousness. And that's why his lawyer has said he has said, I'm going to testify. He feels that he's up against it. He says a lot of things that don't come Mm -hmm. to pass. But right now, I think it's more likely than not that he will to try to defend himself. And of course, he did not appear for the E. Jean Carroll sexual misconduct and defamation suits where he also is not required to be, but didn't show up. But interesting, he's been talking about this political witch hunt against him. Interestingly enough, he has been going after the president's son, Hunter Biden, who was in court himself today, pleading not guilty to his gun charges. He is saying that they are targeting him in particular um, and going after him and part of the, the weaponized in reverse order. Where do you see that case going? Well, look, I think there is something to the notion that this is a case that really wouldn't have been charged under ordinary circumstances. It's a very aggressive uh, charging theory. These are charges we really don't see on a standalone basis. Um, so there is something to that. However, that's kind of now all in the past in terms of what the prosecutor's discretion was. There's now a case. We have the four corners of the indictment. And, you know, he's got some arguments, the constitutional arguments about uh, whether or not these charges are still uh, appropriate under Supreme Court law. But um, these are challenging cases for defendants. I mean, uh, people get charged with crimes like this, with prohibited persons, uh, you know, felons in possession, all day, every day, all across the country. These cases plead out. They're usually not that hard for the government to win. Well, the last time there was a plea discussion, it imploded in a courtroom (laughs) where we hear back again. If that happens, Norm, Ankush, so nice to see you this evening. Thank you so much. And up next, as one member of Congress loses his job, another gets one. The other piece of history in Washington, D.C. today. You've seen a lot of history in the making today. You're probably so sick of it at this point. For the first (laughs) time ever, the Speaker of the House was removed via a vote on the House floor. But there was another moment that is worth your time today. It is that Democratic Senator LaFonza Butler made history when she was sworn in by Vice President Kamala Harris as the first out black lesbian to enter Congress and the only black woman presently serving in the United States Senate. Now, Senator Butler was appointed, as you know, by Governor Gavin Newsom to fill the seat left vacant by the death of Senator Dianne Feinstein. Now, she does become only the third black woman to serve as a U.S. senator. And I have to tell you, Abby, my daughter, who's nine, is always joking with me and saying, Mommy, you guys always say historic. History seems to happen every single day. That might be true in some context, but today this really was an historic occasion, given the fact of who is even swearing her in. Yeah, yeah. Look, some people are wishing for some precedented times, no more unprecedented (laughs) times. But this picture right here on your screen is historic. And also just a note, uh, the ties between these two women, LaFonza Butler, a key uh, former aide to Kamala Harris in her presidential campaign. Uh, Kamala Harris, the first black vice, vice, uh, black woman vice president. It's a major moment and it's important to mark it as well. It is. And of course, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be other conversations surrounding who will ultimately hold on a permanent level that seat that will be left vacant yeah. by the, um, the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. So we will see what happens next. Abby, always a pleasure to sit next to you. Good Thank to you, see everyone, you, my for watching. Our coverage does continue. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.